our in-between sermon series. And um, every, at least once a year, I need a sermon title that's obnoxious. <laughs> at least once a year, and we're getting it early this year, so there may be multiple. Uh, we're actually going to be in Psalm um, the Psalm 139, but the title of the sermon is, My clothes sat in the washing machine so long that now they smell sour, but God still wants to sit next to me on a hot school bus. <laughs> I know it's obnoxious. Just be with me. It's obnoxious. I know, but I need one every year to just be obnoxious with. <laughs> And there really wasn't another title that made sense. (laughs) Um, Next week, we are, uh, I'm going to give you a heads up. Next week, we're going into um, a sermon series that really focuses on how we maintain unity in a divisive time, right? And so... um, The title of that series is called Beyond the Ballot, Um, uh, and uh, we do that every election cycle. Like, if you look back two years ago, we had a similar kind of series, How to Win and Lose Like Jesus, (laughs) and then there was another one two years before that, just recognizing that We live in a a culture that would say to you that most of the time your allegiance to one another is a primary, but during political seasons, it's allegiance to this side or the other side that's a primary, and you can get back to worshiping Jesus together in December. And that's just not who we are. That's not who the body of Christ is. It should not be who the body of Christ is. Regardless of what we see on news and on social media, we are a people who are united primarily by our citizenship in the kingdom of God. And secondarily, everything else. And how do we maintain the importance of caring about the second part, but having our allegiance still be in the first part? That's what this series is about, right? We're not talking about that this week. This week it was like, we need something to kind of pillow us into that. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> something that's, uh, that's not, as, uh, um, not as intense. Um, and reminds us, first and foremost, even before we start talking about that, um, how God feels about us. Um, and I am... Uh, if, you, if some of you have seen the Disney Pixar movie um, Finding Nemo, uh, and there's a scene in there where the Nemo's first day of school, and he tells them he has one fin that's smaller than the other, and then three other students start kind of proclaiming their imperfections. One says, like, I, this tentacle's shorter than all the other tentacles, but you can't really tell. And, uh, and then one of them just, you know, one of them says, I'm allergic to water, then sneezes, and then the other says, I'm obnoxious. And today, that's me. That last one, I'm obnoxious. 
obnoxious because I think we get to be about God's love for us. I think that we have an inner kind of shame and an outer, an external, like, real and message that says to us that we are no good. Um, and there is a God that has routinely told us otherwise. And so I'm choosing today to be obnoxious about how God feels about us because I think we need that reminder. Um, I sat on many school buses in many parts of the country. I know what it is to sit next to someone on a hot school bus who's not smelling great. Uh, and the truth is, like, this, this picture right here, this next picture, like, that's how we feel about, like, when, like, when we're getting ready to go to school, like, and we're, if, we, if we ride a bus, everyone's happy to see us. <laughs> that's how we want, that's what we want, okay? That, that would be great. But oftentimes, it's this next picture, and some of y'all know this picture is from the movie Forrest Gump. You get on and literally everybody's like, seats taken, like, right? Nobody wants to sit next to you. And like, that's honestly like, that's, even though we want the first picture, for many of us, this second one is our real life fear. And sit next to you is not, it does, it's not just literal, right? There's this thing about us that we experience this kind of shame that says no one will want me unless I dot, dot, dot. <laughs> right? And we, there's a spectrum to that. Some of us feel that more intensely. And some of us, it's just kind of a low grade. I'm going to make sure that two sprays of cologne, two sprays of perfume. Okay, wait. One more. Okay, good. They'll sit next to me now. And that's not just with people on buses. That's also with God, too. We've been um, in, our, in the Bible study in the middle of the week. Uh, we meet on Thursdays, and we've been in Genesis. Uh, one of the most beautiful things about Genesis is not just all of the amazing stories and displays of God in creation, but Really, it's this question for everybody who is Judeo-Christian faith, why are things the way they are? And Genesis 3 talks about where really the beginning of this I'm not good enough kind of shame comes in. And it's right after they eat the fruit and they immediately realize, wait a minute, I don't have on any clothes. Huh, I should probably go hide or cover myself. And they, and God comes to them looking for them after they've eaten the fruit and says, where are you? Their response, the human's response is, we hid because we were naked. Not we hid because we sinned. <laughs> we hid because we were naked. They were, they were literally created naked, okay? They ain't know nothing else until that point. And it's that kind of thing that I'm kind of pointing to right now. That thing that's inside of us that says, the good part of who you are, the part that's actually been amazing from the beginning, the thing that you're afraid to actually let people see, the thing that you don't even really pray out loud about you, say, like letting it actually come out of your mouth part 
That's the one I'm actually pointing to right now. That if people knew, they would not want to sit next to you on a hot school bus because you'd smell like sour laundry. But God still wants to sit next to you. <laughs> so we're going to Psalm 139. We're actually going to read through the whole psalm. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. For some of us, that immediately brings a sense of, oh, thank you, Lord. And for some of us, that's like, uh, every thought? Every thought. Really, just sit there for a moment. I guarantee you that if our first feeling is peace, that's a reflection of closeness with God, and I love it. But if you stop there, then you're not actually letting God get close enough to you. Because somewhere, if you sit in that for a moment and you really let yourself think about it, God knows every thought. Every time I get up and every time I sit down. Because here's the truth. There's some times I probably should have stayed sitting. And there's some times I probably should have got up. And God saw both. He knows all of it. And the, for those of us who are like super cerebral and we're kind of in our head a lot, even when I'm far away, I would encourage us to not think about that just as distance from this sanctuary. Far away in our minds. You've felt that before. For those of you who drive, when you're supposed to be driving to the grocery store, but you end up in your driveway, you were far away in your thoughts. When you said that you would do this, but you've been so overwhelmed that you completely forgot about the commitment that you've made, that kind of far away in your thoughts is what I'm talking about. He continues, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And let me tell you, that one is scary. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. stopping just for us to sit in it for a minute. Beautiful thing about psalms are like they're poems and they're songs. 
But they invite us into a depth of thought and intimacy with God that is not like something that you just read for information's sake. Yes, God knows everything that there is about me. Yes, he knows when I stand up and when I sit down. Great. That's not the point. The point is that even with all of that, God places his hand on my head, the good shepherd places his hand on my head to bless me. To bless, if we were to just break it down, to speak well of, to speak good over. Not just to give you stuff, because that's a blessing. Yeah, that's wonderful. But there is something about when Creator God, who spoke stars into existence and said, let there be, and it was speaks blessing over you. Right after I thought a bunch of cuss words. Right after I thought about how I was going to get back at such and such. Such knowledge, the knowledge of that. That's what I'm talking about. It's the knowledge that that's this God who sees and knows all the things that there are about me, still places his hand on my head and speaks well of, speaks good over. That's the such knowledge that's too great for. It's like sometimes we get in that verse and it's like, how does God know everything? God, no, that's too shallow. It's the, I, David is like the knowledge that you know everything about me and still speak good over me. That's the one that's too great for me to understand. I don't get it because I smell like sour laundry. <laughs> I know I smell like sour laundry. I thought I could actually, I smelled it before I put it in the dryer. <laughs> and I thought I could get away with it by spraying Febreze on it. Sorry, y'all ain't been there before. Sorry. You've not been in a rush before. I'm sorry. I'm, I've been in a rush, okay? We got to get to practice. <laughs> I got to get to this meeting, and I just needed something that wasn't dirty. And it's still, I mean, I forgot to put it in the dryer last night. It's just a mental picture. Some of you have not been in that place. But most of us have been in that space where we know that we smell bad. (laughs) And we're trying really hard to stand downwind. We're trying really hard to, oh, just a little, hey, sis, hey, bro. Give me a little high five, not a hug. And God's like, bring it in, baby. Come on in here. Oh, I know. Come on, closer. Sit. I want to sit right next to you. And I want to say, man, that outfit looks great. Man, I want to say, I know you're carrying a lot. But you're doing so with such peace. How are you maintaining this sense of joy when I know that you rushed to get here. Wow. I love you. That's too wonderful for us to wrap our heads around. 
David continues, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day, darkness and light are the same to you. There are times in our life where the knowledge of our imperfection causes us to desire to hide. Like, there's moments where it doesn't matter how good we know it is to feel our feelings, and (laughs) I just don't want to feel. And so some of us do some things to not feel. It's not everybody's story, but some of us do some things to not feel. And we have never been encouraged to think about the fact that God is still with us while we're drunk. Or God is still with us while we're high. Or God is still with us while we're X, Y, Z doing this to numb out. God's still there. And I'm not saying God is like, keep going. Nope. But he also doesn't leave. It's the nuanced kind of, I know that this is not, I know it's hard for you to feel right now, and this is not exactly what I want, but I'm still here. I still am going to be here. And when you're ready, let's talk. David is acknowledging this scary truth that God loves me enough to be with me in the mud, and it doesn't matter how much mud I keep trying to place over myself so God can't see it. God's like, I see you. I'm here. But, if, but just stop looking at me, God. That's ah, just not how I work. I love you. Stop saying that, God. I'm actively sinning. (laughs) Doesn't take away the fact that I love you. And I want to be here. And for some of us, that actually makes us want to numb even more because the idea that there's a God who wants to be with me in my mess makes me even more insecure. Because it reminds me of just how much I stink. And God's like, I'm not going to press, but it would be out of my character to leave you right now. So I'll sit quietly, but I'm not going anywhere. And it doesn't matter that it makes you feel insecure. I care enough to just be here. And when you're ready, 
we can talk. That's the paraphrased version of what David was just saying. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I ask the darkness to cover over me, you're still there. Some of us get to these places where it's so low, we're so low that we're running hard to not feel, trying really hard to forget God, and I would actually invite you to consider for a moment, God, I want to bring, with you, bring me with you into my mess. I can't figure out how to not do it. Help me while I'm in there. Ooh. Because we have been taught in this world that to experience real love and real grace, I have to make sure that I can be clean before I get there, and that's just not how God works. It doesn't matter how far we get into a dark alley, it's just like daytime for him. And there he is. In that first section, I just want us to remember God knows you like really knows you. I told you I'm going to be obnoxious. Like, really. And sit in the tension of that. God knows you every part of who you are. Verse 13 says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, (laughs) and some of us even more complex than others. (laughs) I told you I'm obnoxious today. Sometimes I feel like I do the most, because I do. Moments of vulnerability, those of us for whom we feel too big for a room, that is not comforting. Being made wonderfully complex, we want to feel more simple. I want to not shine as bright, and I want to not be as loud, and I want to not be as brown, and I want to not be as tall, and I want to not be as bolsterous. I want to not have the first thought in every meeting. I want to... That's not always comforting. And God sits with us in that. I don't know what that was, but... You doing the most now. No. <laughs> God sits with us in that. Why can't it just be simple? I don't do simple. This is what God says. I don't do simple. I don't do easy. I do wonderfully complex, intricate, delicate. <laughs> Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. It's only when we let God sit with us in that space can we actually get there. 
Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. Some of us have been lied to that because our parents were unhealthy in their relationship or you are the result of something that is unhealthy, that God wasn't there in the middle of that. And I, was, I said that on purpose. You were lied to. Some of us have been made to believe that because it wasn't pretty at the beginning, that it was not on purpose. And this is the opposite of that. This speaks the opposite of that. It says, the moment you became a twinkle in somebody's eye, I was there. And even in the pain of it being imperfect, and the pain of it being dirty, it was not so that I could not see good. And so I watched as every single cell that made your body divided. I watched as your fingers grew. I put my hand over your head. And the moment that your eyes opened in your mother's womb and I said, oh, this is good. The first time you heard a sound, muffled as it was, I celebrated with you. The first time you felt somebody on the outside of the womb trying to feel you kick, I giggled. Nobody else could see your face, but I could. No one else could carry you when they were arguing outside of the womb, and it disturbed your sleep. And I rocked you there. Sixteen, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. <laughs> it's like, like I have this, it's not a real equation. It's not real math. I get it. But there's a part of me that's like, this is so intense and so close. That's like every negative thought I've ever had about myself costs like, I want to do seven more that are good. I can't even count them. And so some of us, we think negatively about ourselves a lot. The knowledge that God thinks innumerably more good about us. To the point that every single time that you have spoken or thought down to yourself, 
God one-ups you, seven-ups you, (laughs) to the point where you can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That first thing I wanted you to see was God knows you, like really knows you. And the second one, and God likes you, (laughs) even when you don't. I won't keep pointing to the, back to this. There was a, uh, a sermon um, that Julian Newman preached at Tribes years ago. And I just happened to be there because I was a guest worship leader for the day. Um, and it was that God likes you. Like we're so used to hearing God loves you. But that God likes you. <laughs> Because some of us have like this different love. We got to be like, yeah, God loves me. He got to love me because <laughs> that's just, just who God is. Like God gonna, he going to love everybody. <laughs> and so we sometimes make ourselves an exception to the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God that would actually cause us to believe he actually likes you too. <laughs> yeah, but, but I struggle with this temptation. God likes you. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't know that every single morning I wake up and I feel this way about myself when I look in the mirror and God likes you. Yeah, but you didn't know what I did when I was 19. God likes you. Your parents may not have liked you, but God does. Your teachers may not have liked you, but God does. You may not like you, but God does. Likes you enough to when you have messed up to want to get close to you. That's my favorite part of Genesis 3. Is that God says, don't eat from the fruit. Don't eat from the tree. And when they do, God's like, where they at? (laughs) Let me get close to them. It doesn't even stop there. After in chapter 4, moment where Cain kills Abel, there's still all kinds of mercy. Like this is weird conversation with God and, at God and Cain. <laughs> because God still likes Cain. And it doesn't really matter that it was horrible what he did. And I want us to go back to see that. Why are things the way they are? It's part of God's character to not actual, to see you beyond the horrible things that you've done. It's a part of God's character to see me beyond the horrible things I think about myself. It's a part of God's character to sit next to you while you stink on a hot school bus. And that's because that's who God is. And it doesn't matter. Like, that's the beautiful thing. I'm just like, God's like, listen, it don't really matter what you do. You don't get to decide who I like. You don't get to decide who I love. I like you because I like you, period. So you can keep on trying to run if you want, but I'm pretty quick. (laughs) And there are times when God's obnoxious. (laughs) 
I got something for you, God. It's almost what it feels like when you get to these next verses. Oh, God, only if you would destroy the wicked. (laughs) Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Like, it's this weird kind of like tantrum in the middle of the, the psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The thing that I love about this psalm is it's all this beautiful intimacy up until that point, and then it's like the writer goes crazy. (laughs) But actually, you can. When you believe that God knows you, like really knows you, and God likes you, whether you like yourself or not, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't actually have to be stable around you, God. I may have to be stable around everybody else, but I'm going to be completely unstable around you because you still like me. And that's a powerful thing. I want you to hear this. You may have to have a mask on for everyone else. You may have to have it together and smile for everybody else because they don't like you as much as God does. They might not sit next to you. But you do not have to have it all pulled together to be with God. It is actually the opposite that God desires for us. Come to me and bring me some random garbage prayer about you hating people, and I still want to be with you. And it's almost like God's like, okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) How was your day? It's right for me to hate people that hate you. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute but I'm glad you're talking. And since we're talking, let me take you on a little bit of a journey. And if you've ever had that moment where you actually allow yourself to be vulnerable with God and be a real human being that's messy and not put together with God, and God's like, let's go on a journey and kind of leads you for like five minutes to you seeing where you were a little messy and But God's love was there, and it changes how you feel about those verses before. That's to search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along a path of everlasting life. I want you to have some permission to know you don't have to hide from a God that will love you no matter what he finds. This is not the same thing as saying everything God finds is he's okay with. That's not the same thing. But I also want you to know that if you're trying to figure out how to get it together so that God and all the people want to be with you, I'm telling you right now, that's not how God works. (laughs) That, yes, already knows. That's not how God works. How God works is you don't have it together. I want to sit next to you. 
You want to talk about it? No? Okay, I'll still sit next to you. You want to talk now? No? Okay. You ready? Let's talk. And then you spout off some crazy weird prayer, and then God's like, I like that. I like talking to you. Let's talk some more. Let me show you something over here. And then you go look, and then it's like, God, I never saw anything like that before. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me about it. How do you feel about what you ask? Completely different. Yeah, I know. But we're so afraid that God's going to be like, I don't want to be with you because you had a weird prayer. Just say it. This is a God that's going to like you no matter what he finds. You are wonderfully designed with complexity beyond human imagination. And everything that you think and you feel and that even the things that you hide from yourself and lie about to yourself, God is like, I still want you. I still love you. And for those of us who have been taught that if I'm imperfect, then that means God doesn't want to be around me. Scripture is really clear in saying that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, not God's judgment. The equation is when I'm real with God, he is kind, and that does something to transform who I am. And then that transformation, I actually don't want what wasn't good for me anymore. So God wants to sit next to you. Let him. God wants to place his hand over your head and speak well of you, daughter. Speak well of you, son. So let him. And if that's like, I don't know what that feels like, find someone who has experienced that kind of mercy and let them do it first. Let them speak well of you and really receive it. family. You are amazing. Not perfect, but you're talented, you're gifted, you're intelligent. You're beautiful people who do hard things every single day. You live in a world that will tell you that even being and gathered in this room doesn't make sense. Social media teases you for the way in which you believe in God. You have been asked to do some things that make no sense to you or your family, but you keep stepping into it. You are strong. You are powerful people. And even when you're not, God likes you. Even when you say ugly things, God likes you. And even when you are weak and you give up, God likes you. And we get to like each other too in all of that. Let us take on the character of God that sits next to stinky people on hot buses <laughs> and says, I like you. I am intentionally looking for good.
because I know that the Father has spoken it over you.